So with that, we're back in our ongoing study of Ephesians, and uh, we are currently in chapter 6, and last week we got through chapter 6, verse 3, and this morning we'll be looking at chapter 6, verse 4 and following, and I'm going to read to you uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9 this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Amen? Okay, so I uh, just want to briefly review uh, what we've been going over the last couple of weeks. And looking back at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, we saw there where Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We talked about the fact that obviously that was a clear directive to children to obey their parents. But then we were saying that really it's as as much of a directive to parents as it is to children. Can somebody remember why that is? Because we have to we have to teach them to be obedient. Okay, we have to teach them to be obedient. Uh, In order for a child to learn obedience to his parents, his parents are going to have to uh, teach that child obedience. His parents are going to have to teach them that that is something to be valued and something to live for and something to do. Therefore, this commandment to the children is as much a directive to the parents as it is to the children. And so there is inherent in this directive to the children the, the obligation for parents to teach their children obedience. And so we've been uh, focusing and talking about that. But that uh, if a child is going to learn to obey, he's going to learn that as the parent gives him directives and as the child learns to obey those directives. Parents must teach their children obedience. And, of course, um, the very next verse says, Honor your father and mother. And, again, we talked about the idea that Unless a child is taught honor, he cannot learn to honor. Unless a child learns what is honorable, what then will he honor? And so, uh, again, we've said that these directives to parents are as, as much of a directive, I'm sorry, these directives to children are as much as a directive to the parents. Amen? And, of course, there are many other places in the Bible where parents are... Um, directed to teach these things to their children. I would point you to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I've been handing out this this uh, little handout here called Teach Them Diligently. And, and really, this is an overview of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And uh, there we have, you know, the foundational biblical teaching of how to bring your family up in the instruction of the Lord. And... Um, So, we need to understand that if a child is going to learn the commandment of God to honor his father and mother, he's going to need to be taught. And he's not naturally going to just grow up and honor authority now, is he? Because what lives in his heart? Foolishness. Foolishness, right. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. He is by nature a sinner. He is by nature a rebel. He, by nature, rebels against the authority of God. And the Scripture says in Ephesians 2.3 that we are all by nature, what? Objects of God's wrath. 
that we have incurred the wrath of God. That is our nature. That is what we are like naturally. We sin. And so, in, in the heart of a child then is this rebellion. It doesn't take you long to figure that out with kids, does it? Right? It's, it's not, but they're little tykes, this old, and they know how to steal their brother's sucker. Or their sister's toys. Right? And then when you ask them to politely give them back, <laughs> they return with a wholehearted snarl. Right? <laughs> what right do you have to take my sister's toy back away from me? <laughs> right? Because naturally in their heart, they're not thinking about their sister's benefit, are they? What are they thinking about? Self-will. Right? Self-preservation. Right? So, by nature, a child is going the way of folly. He's going the way of sin and rebellion. And so it is the parent's obligation, the good Christian parent's obligation to teach that child obedience, to teach that child what he should obey, to teach that child to honor his father and mother, and all of that with the great goal in mind to teach that child what? Obedience to God and honor of God and of God's authority. Amen? Because the goal in Christian parent is in, in Christian parenting is what? Regeneration. Regeneration. Right? The great goal in Christian parenting is the regeneration of your children. We want them to be saved above all other things, don't we? Why? Because that tends to their welfare. Right? Are we concerned about their welfare? Yeah? Then we need to teach them what welfare is. Amen? Okay. So then, we, uh, we're kind of moving on from there. And looking at verse 3, and this we talked about last week, the Scripture says that we're to honor our father and our mother because this is the first commandment with a promise, he says in verse 2. But then in verse 3, he says what? He repeats that promise. That it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And here we pointed out that it is imperative that the, the parents teach the children that God is providentially involved in their life. So that if they would do such a thing as honor God by honoring their parents, that God would do what? That He would bless them. That He would oversee their welfare. That someone in heaven was, was giving uh, an overarching, responsible look at their life to see if they were honoring their parents. And that ultimately, if they were doing such a thing, that same great divine providence would do what? He would bless them. He would fulfill a promise to them. If they will honor, God will make sure it goes well. Amen? And so, inherent in this, this uh, idea is the fact that God's providence is overseeing our lives. Amen? And that God is looking with His eyes to see who will do what is right and who will do what is wrong. And those who will do what is right, God's promise will benefit them for their welfare. And those who will do what is wrong, God's threatenings will surely come true. Amen? The idea in verse 3 is not, hey, here's my way to get the best thing. It's first and foremost that God is providentially governing our lives. Right? And then in that we will see, if we will do what God requires, God will be sure that we are blessed. That it may be what? well with us and that we may live long on the earth and we talked about that wording and what that wording really means it's talking about the prosperity of life right that if we honor our parents and obey that good commandment of God that God is going to see to it that things are going to go well for us amen of course this can happen in a land of little or a land of plenty because True prosperity lives in the heart. 
Amen? And so that God is going to make sure that things go well, whether you be slave or free, if you honor your father and your mother. Amen? And, and so, you know, there's so much here to, to teach a child. You know, remember, this directive is to parents as well. The children are to honor the parents. Why? Because God is watching over your obedience, either to bless you or to curse you. Amen? Fundamental principle about life. Fundamental principle that every human ought to know, much less to every Christian. Amen? That God is going to bring every deed into judgment, whether it is good or bad. Amen? A theme repeated throughout the Scriptures. Amen? Okay, so then. We ended last week by uh, getting to chapter 6, verse 4. And there it says, And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul here, he says, Don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up, he says. Bring them up. There's a directive. Bring them up. In what? In the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now remember, I've been telling you all along, we have a tendency to read right through these passages and not stop and consider what's being said. Right? But we don't want to do that. Here we're taking a very close look at what the Scripture is saying in Ephesians chapter 6. And we're looking intently into these verses to see what God has said. We're studying this passage, right? And so when we read this verse, it's very clear that there's a lot more being spoken about than just what's in these words right here, right? And I want to help you see that. But the first thing he says is, Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger. Okay, and I, and I made the point last week that <coughs> although this is a directive to fathers, it is therefore also a directive to who? Mothers. Right? Because the father is the what? The head of the wife. Right? And here, this instruction to the father is to say, fathers, this is what it ought to look like in your home. This is, this is the great responsibility of your life. Don't provoke your children to anger. Wouldn't it be silly to think that God was only saying to the father, don't provoke your child to anger, therefore the mother can do it when she wants to? <laughs> right? You with me? You follow me? It's the father's responsibility to make sure that the children aren't provoked to anger. Right? And that was the point I was making last week. And really, that kind of ends our review. And there I'm going to pick up and I'm going to talk specifically about this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And, and just bear in mind, okay, that this instruction is as much to the mother as it is to the father. Okay, but the father bears the responsibility to make sure that this is not going on in the life of the child. Okay? But <clears throat> Paul tells the parents not to provoke the children to anger. For this will surely cause tremendous problems in, the, in life for a child. How many of you know an angry person? An, an angry per, I say an angry person and somebody comes to mind. Right? Many of you might even be an angry person. Many of you may have struggled with anger for many, many years. It's been the great conviction of your Christian life. To put away your anger. Right? But remember that these, these directives are for the welfare of, of the child. These directives are for the welfare of the family. These directives are for the welfare of society. Amen? I think if you were to go to the prison and you were to interview the prisoners there, the criminals... The ones who we got to put behind bars because they don't know how to behave. 
if you were to interview them, I think you would find a constant theme running through their life. Anger. Think that would be true? Absolutely, it would be true. So, when we talk about the Christian home and the Christian child and Christian parenting, we should constantly remember this thing. We as parents are not to provoke our children to anger. We need to be careful not to do that. Well, I wanted to kind of give you some practical help on seeing how maybe there are ways that we do that, some of the ways that we do that, and and maybe examine our own life to see how we can put some of that off. And so that we can promote in that child a sense of thanksgiving and a sense of peace and a sense of reason and patience instead of anger. Amen? Okay. So, the untold misery of an angry person is pitiful. So, you know, if you look at an angry person, is it obvious that that person has a spirit or temper contrary to happiness? Because if somebody's angry, they're not typically too happy, are they? Right? (laughs) It's kind of like the kids who blow it and mom and dad are away and the kids are into mischief like they shouldn't be and they break something, right? And they think, wow, when my dad gets home, he's not going to be too happy, right? Instead, he's going to be angry, (laughs) right? You see the difference? You see the contrast between anger and happiness? Well, consider that when it's the state of someone's heart to be angry. Now, that doesn't tend to their happiness at all. It doesn't tend to their welfare. It doesn't, it doesn't tend to their well-being. It doesn't tend to their peace, does it? No, but rather inside their heart, there's a real discontentment. There's a real dissatisfaction. Amen? We don't want this to be the state of the hearts of our children. So what should we do? Be careful not to provoke them to anger. Because the state of an angry person is a pitiful thing. It is something worthy of pity. And oh, that that anger could be healed. Amen? So, this anger robs a person of God's peace and joy and causes them to sin again and again by anger. Consider that an angry person sins frequently. Why? Because in their anger, they rebel against God. Why? Because the very nature of their heart is is a nature of ungratefulness. It's a heart that's not thankful. You see, if you're angry about your circumstances, you're not very thankful for them, are you? You with me? And so, an angry heart by nature is in rebellion against God. And so these are things we need to consider. you know. And if you notice a lot of anger in your children, it's time to take a real close look at your parenting. And to see where you may be erring. Okay? And to see how you might heal the heart of that child rather than provoking them to anger. It's not to say that children don't naturally tend toward things like anger. They certainly do, and some more than others, as we've discussed, right? But it is to say that we as parents have an obligation before God and a specific directive not to provoke them to anger. Okay? So, this is why I say, if we see anger in our children, we need to take a real close look at the way we're parenting those kids. Okay? So then, consider in what ways may a father provoke his children to anger. And so I listed a few out. Uh, Some of these I got from Albert Barnes. He had a nice, long, concise list of ways that fathers provoke their kids to anger. But the first one was, by unreasonable commands. These can make a child angry. By unreasonable commands. You know, I would say something like unattainable goals. Unattainable goals can provoke a child to anger. You know, uh, we want you to be a Harvard Law student. 
And so we're going to drag you to a 4.0 average the rest of your days. You know, now, don't get me wrong, a 4.0 average is, is, is a good thing for parents to want their children to attain to, okay? But if the child is incapable of attaining such a thing, and you continue to move them to that place, and they cannot get there, what do you suppose will happen? Right? And maybe you, might, maybe you might notice with some kids, 4.0 is an easy thing. And with some kids... 2.5 is a constant struggle. You with me? So, so that some kids naturally tend toward academics and some don't. And I'm just using this as an example, okay? I don't mean to pick on the education process. I really don't. But the idea is that if we give a child something that is unreasonable for them to deal with, and then we're constantly disciplining them and, and pressuring them to reach to some height that they cannot reach, that is going to provoke that child to anger. The child has no other response. Ultimately, they can't get there. Ultimately, they can't carry that burden, whatever it may be. Okay? And again, I use that as an example. Unattainable goals. Um, keeping your room clean. Oh, that's funny, Greg. <laughs> I, now, you know, by the same token, I have some kids that a clean room is an easy thing because they just kind of do it by nature. And I have some kids, their room can look like a tornado in, in, in a day and a half. <laughs> right? But quite frankly, a clean room isn't an unattainable goal. Would you agree? <laughs> I know. Yeah, but you see, this is the stuff of life. This is the stuff of life. This is the very thing, the very kind of area where we provoke our kids to anger. You know? And, you know... Right. Now we're in trouble. And that's exactly where I was going. You know, with the child who cleans their room by nature, and there isn't a whole lot of nagging and all that kind of thing, that's a real easy deal. Right? But how about the one that you've told them a thousand times if you've told them once? Or you just told them and it's already a, a wreck or a mess. Right? So, so then what happens? Well, we start losing our patience. And then we start losing our patience, and then we respond how? Angrily. Angrily. Okay, we're going to get to that one. That's how fathers provoke their children to anger, because they manifest anger in their disciplining process. Right? So these are things we've got to be real careful about. But unreasonable commands. That's an obvious one, right? That'll provoke anybody to anger. How about this? By needless severity. Severity without restraint will make a child angry. Severity without restraint will make a child anger. I'm not saying you should never be severe. There are times for you to be severe with your children. Okay? Just like there are times when God is severe. Right? Remember, we had the whole discussion about um, how not honoring your parents was something that was very severe to God. So much that in God's theocratic law that he established to govern his people Israel, if a child was disrespectful and disobedient to his parents, he could even be killed for that offense. Right? And that God was, uh, was severe in that area. And we, I was saying, what lesson should we learn from that today? Well, here it is. That honoring your father and your mother is a big deal to God. That proper respect for authority is one of those areas where you need to be severe when it's not being carried out. Right? And so that's why I say, I'm not saying you shouldn't be severe with your kids about the right things and in the right way. Right? But what about needless severity? And so I'll give you an example of this. Spilled milk or disrespectful mouths. You with me? So in my mind, if a child does something childish 
like not paying close enough attention at the dinner table and spills milk on the table. That's not something you really should be severe with a child about. Would you agree? Right? But if you as a parent speak to your child and give them a directive, and they turn around and put their hands on their hips and say, I ain't doing that because I don't want to. In, in my mind, that's something that's going to require a little severity. As a matter of fact, if you're to that point, you missed the boat a long time ago. You with me? Because there are things that are major issues. Okay, and A major issue is the honor of parents, the honor of parental authority, which is something you need to establish in your home, which I keep saying again and again. I'm going to talk some more about that today. Okay, But the, the point is, is that uh, needless severity will provoke a child to anger. You know, if the child makes a mistake and spills the milk and you blow out your top, you know, and you speak to the child in a, in a very harsh manner about spilled milk, you know what you're saying to that child? I don't love you. I'm not concerned for your welfare. I got to go get the towel and mop up the milk. All right? Now whose benefit are you concerned for? Right? They inconvenienced you, so now you're angry. And now you're being severe needlessly. Amen? That's wrong. That's going to provoke a child to anger. There's a lot of ways to do that. I use spilled milk as an example. Right? But, you know, we need to learn to be gracious and patient and kind and loving with those kids. In contrast to dealing with those kids in anger. Amen? Because we're being inconvenienced. Let me tell you, raising kids is an inconvenience. So just prepare yourself for all the inconveniences. And they won't end at age 18. They will just be getting started at that point. Right? Yeah? What about, um, you know, because we, we don't do things correctly and because of the sanctifying process all the days of our lives, mm-hmm. what do you do with an adult child? Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile, reconcile that relationship if you've already done these Mm-hmm. This is sin, mm-hmm. you know, and what if that's already occurred in your home? Okay, well, um, here's what I would say about that. She's asking, what do you do with an adult child? You know, what if, you know, years and years you weren't really saved or weren't really living like you should or you're you know, just now learning Christian maturity and you've already got some adult children and maybe you didn't parent them the best way and you look back and you have some regrets. And at the same time, you want to have some benefit in the life of that child right now. What do you do, she's saying? Here's what you do. Number one, you cry out to God with everything that is within you. Right? And then you do everything within your power as far as it is possible with you to love and to nurture that child and to care for them and to speak the truth to them and to give them guidance and to teach them wisdom and to preserve your relationship with them in so much as it is possible and to continue day by day crying out to God in faith for the soul of that child. That's what you do. And there isn't any other answer. And you know, it's the same answer you get if your children are this high and you already know these things. How else are you going to carry these things out lest you do it by faith? How else can you attain to these high and holy commandments of God? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do you know what those terms refer to? You think this is something that's going to happen by osmosis? No, it's not. I'll tell you how it's going to happen. It's going to happen by God's divine power at work in your home. And through His good grace and His mercy, because you can't bring these things about on your own. As we've said several times, you can't live a supernatural Christian life apart from the supernatural power of God. Amen? Can a wife submit to her husband apart from the power of God? Can a husband love his wife apart from the power of God? Can you do anything good in the sight of God without His good grace to sustain you and enable you? Of course not. Amen? Rose? There's one thing you did leak out. If, if there is one sin involved, take their forgiveness. 
Okie doke. Amen. So she she says if if uh, you know if, if you were sinful in your parenting with that adult child, you should you should go to them and you should seek their forgiveness and explain to them what God has shown you and and so on and so forth. And there's probably a hundred things I left out. And my thought is, as you cry out to God and as you pray and as you seek the wisdom of God about that child, God's going to reveal a whole lot of things to you that you need to do and that you could do, right? And uh, I think that that's a difficult place to be in. But let me tell you, if your hope is anywhere, let it be in God. Amen? And not in your own abilities. Because God is the only one that can open the eyes. And isn't, isn't it ultimately a question of whether or not the heart of that child's eyes have been opened by God in this process right here? Regeneration. You can't save that child's soul, but God can. Amen? So, <clears throat> there needs to be dependence on God. Trust in God. Amen? Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. Amen? So then, how do fathers provoke their children to anger? By the manifestation of anger, by disciplining out of anger. Do not discipline a child in the heat of the moment, but wait until your temperament has cooled. A child will become angry if you discipline in anger. You with me? Don't think that when you are expressing your wrath to your child without some kind of temperance or patience that you are not damaging the soul of that child because you are. Is that the way that God deals with you? Or is the hand of God patient and merciful even in His discipline? It is. Amen? And so there's our model as parents in the disciplining process. We can't be flying off the hook and disciplining our kids. If there's any time for us to be under control, it is during that time when we are disciplining our children. Amen? Agreed? Is that wisdom? It has to be a time when we're under control, not out of control. Amen? So, how about this? So govern them, and so punish them, that if punishment is necessary, that they shall not lose their confidence in you, but shall love you. So, if you have to discipline them, do it in a way that tends to their honor of you. How are you going to do that? Well, make every effort to communicate your sincere love to the child in the disciplining process. That's how. So that when you need to punish a child, that child understands above all other things that you love them. And that the reason why you're bringing pain to their life is for their good. How are you going to do that? Well, be sure that they understand why they are being disciplined. Right? I mean, don't you want your child to have understanding? You know, if it's so necessary that you have to do this unpleasant thing and bring this rift between you and your child, wouldn't you want your child to know why that's taking place? Of course you would. Why? So they won't become angry. So they won't think that you're just being needlessly severe, but that you'll explain to them why they're being disciplined and that they have a good understanding of what they should and shouldn't do in the future. And so that the expectations are really clear. And they're not always having to walk on eggs around you. Right? But that they know where their boundaries are and that those are clearly defined. And they know, don't cross that boundary. Right? Amen? A child can become angry if they think they are being disciplined needlessly. Teach them how the discipline is for their good so that they will learn to love it and honor you for it. Remember I was telling you that we shouldn't just seek to have our child follow the directives, 
but rather we should teach them to love correction? You with me? And I, I pointed you to uh, Proverbs 12.1, which says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Right? So, don't let your children be stupid children, but teach them not to hate reproof, but instead to what? To love it. How are you going to do that if you don't ever sit down and talk to them about reproof? And talk to them about why they get corrected and why they get disciplined. You know? What do you spend time talking with your kids about? Talking about the weather? Is it baseball? Or worse than that, what Hollywood is prescribing for you? Sit down and talk to your kids about wisdom. Teach them what wisdom is. Open up the Proverbs. Hold the Word of God high in your house and in their hearts and in your minds and and in your mouths. Amen? Talk to them about something that really matters. Like what? Like loving correction and loving reproof. And having some understanding about what life is about. Amen? Teach them the fear of God. Amen? Hebrews 12.9 says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them for it. You familiar with that verse in Scripture? What's Paul saying? He's saying we respected our fathers because they disciplined us. Amen? Joe? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. The writer to the Hebrews. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you for keeping me on track there. <laughs> Oh. That's good. That's good. So then, consider now what Paul is saying to the Christians. He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I want to ask you a question. What is the discipline of the Lord? And what is the instruction of the Lord? So are you with me how sometimes we need to just stop and we need to peer into the verse and we need to ask the question, what is really being said? And I want to tell you, this little short phrase, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, is a mile deep. Okay? But I, I don't think it's just a general statement. I think it's a very specific statement. Okay, And I want to kind of help you see that. But the idea is that the Lord has discipline and the Lord has instruction. And that's the way we are to bring them up. Right? He says, bring them up. Think about that little phrase. Bring them up. Here is God's directive to parents. Bring them up. Don't just let them go, but bring them up. You with me? You see what's implied? Just those three little words? Bring them up? What's it saying? It's saying, parents, you have a responsibility. And, and, and here's a directive for you to fulfill. Bring those kids up. Bring them up. Be active in the parenting process. Right? How about the proverb that we all know best? Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old he will not depart from it. Right? And so here wisdom cries out and says train. Train up that child. Training. Right? How many of you know training is a lot of work? How many of you know champions don't become champions without training? And without a lot of pain, a lot of struggle? Right? That's what training is for. Training perfects you. Training completes you. Right? Well, here the scripture says, train up that child. Bring up that child. Train up that child. Right? Consider then how or what we are to bring them up in. 
He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now what's he talking about? Well, I think he's talking about the whole body of Christian teaching. He is referring very specifically to the whole body of Christian teaching. And he is, he is guising it with these words. The discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right? The discipline and instruction of the Lord. He's not referring to, uh, you know, some specific scripture somewhere that says, you know, this is the discipline of the Lord, you know. What's he saying? He's talking about the, the sweeping idea of discipline in the parenting process of children. Okay? He's talking about the sweeping idea of instructing our children in the way of the Lord. Right? Which is to say that, man, we got 66 books here to get it figured out. Right? So that statement is really deep. It's really profound. Okay? I think primarily what's in the mind of the Apostle is the Shema. It's Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Because, you see... That thing was fixed in the Jewish mind. It was fixed in the Jewish mind. Why? Because they were fulfilling it. They were doing what it said. Which was to what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Right? He says, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And you are to do what? Teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit down, lie down, get up and walk along the way. Write them on your gates. Write them on your doors. Bind them as frontlets before your eyes. And bind them on your wrist. Right? In other words, put the Word of God everywhere you go in your house. And talk about it constantly. Right? And teach them diligently the ways of the Lord. Right? But if you're familiar with that passage of Scripture... He's saying, these commands I give you today, you're supposed to teach them diligently. And then he goes on for 17 chapters about what those commands are. Right? And so, if you will, Deuteronomy is is, is, uh, the idea of repeating the law. The book of Deuteronomy is is the the law repeated. That's what it is. And so, so, uh, when the Shema is given, he's, he's saying... These commandments, and then he repeats the entire law. He says, these you are to teach to your children diligently. Let me tell you, that is the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The whole counsel of God. You with me? So I think he could say the same thing by saying this. Bring them up in the whole counsel of God. He's talking about the whole body of Christian teaching. Okay? So, I want to kind of help you see this even clearer. The word discipline is the Greek word pedeia. pedeia, And it means to train or to chasten. It is also education or training or disciplinary correction. Chastening, chastisement, instruction, nurture. Okay? Those are other ways that it's even translated, this word. Okay? But I think the word discipline is a really good word. Okay? He's saying, bring your children up in the discipline of the Lord. Okay? So what does he mean by discipline of the Lord? Well, here's what I would say. I have uh, four bullet points on this about what I, I think he's really trying to get to. The first thing is to bring them up with discipline, which, which implies what? That, that there's got to be that authority, submission, principle at work. If you're going to discipline somebody, what are you going to do? If you're going to correct somebody or chasten somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to bring some authority to bear on them, right? You're going to chasten them. You're going to say, don't do it like that. Do it like this. There's going to be some reproof and some correction going on, Right? And so the first thing that you have to do in the understanding of bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord is to establish authority in the home. Right? So to establish proper authority and use it wisely and with loving guidance. That's what he means. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. He means this. Establish authority in that home. 
And use that authority with wisdom. And use that authority with love. Why? Because that's who God is. And that is what God is like. God brings His established authority to bear upon our lives. And He does it with wisdom and He does it with love. Amen? You with me? That's what your parenting ought to look like. Just like God's parenting. You cannot establish your authority unless you assert it. Okay, I've been telling you these weeks. What do you need to do? You need to assert your authority. If a child is going to obey his parents and the Lord for this is right, the parents have to assert directness for that child to obey. You have to assert your authority. Listen, they're not going to naturally go look for some authority to submit to. <laughs> right? You with me? You have to assert that authority. That was authority established. You know? That was authority established. And, and, and consider what welfare and order has been brought to the home since you established that authority. And now, the next time you give the child a directive, he thinks in his mind, well, even though I don't want to do that, I think the consequences for my disobedience are going to be worse than me just going over and picking up the chair. Right? You with me? Isn't that how it works with God? Because there was follow through. It's so frustrating in the classroom where you can grow the short. And you know those kids like, I'm warning you. You do that one more time. You do that one more time. It's like, on the count of three, one, two, three, four, five, Johnny. Right? You know, amen. We, well, we've said several times that that child is going to push the limits of authority. How many of you children are pushing the limits of authority? You've seen it a hundred times. You've seen it once. Right? So, like Karen's saying, there's got to be follow-up. Karen's a school teacher. Shall we all give her our sympathy now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and our commendation. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, she's, she's, she's got other people's kids all day. Right? So she's got a real sensitivity to authority that has not been properly established. Established. Right? So what do you got to do? Well, you got to assert your authority, like Joe gave the example. You know, the child is in rebellion, direct rebellion against his dad. He's defying his dad. So what does his dad do? His dad asserts his authority and furthermore, enforces it. Amen? And so now what has happened is that authority is established. The child understands. Dad's the boss. What does that do? It tends toward order in the home. Not chaos. Order. It gives the children peace, too. Gives the children peace. Why? Because there's no chaos. There's no rebellion. Listen, there's an established authority. This is the way we do things. Everybody flies by these rules, and we're all going to be okay. (laughs) Right? You start start violating these rules, and guess what? It is not going to go well with you. Right? You with me? And if you don't get that lesson after two or three times, guess what? It's liable to fire up your rear end. Because it is better for you to learn to obey authority than to live with the consequences of your sin. Because ultimately you're going to wind up in hell. Because if you don't learn how to obey my authority as a parent, you're never going to learn to obey God. And if I don't discipline you, I'm a willing party to your death. Spiritual death. You see? That's what the scripture says. And the ultimate in parenting is to get that child to learn how to obey God, not me. Amen? So it's important to understand what's 
at stake here when we are establishing our authority, right? And then I ask the question, does God assert His authority with you? Of course He does. Of course He does. And that you as a parent should likewise assert your authority with your kids. By what means? By means of constant teaching, by threatenings and consequences, and by loving discipline and correction. That's how. That's how you establish authority. You give them directives by asserting your authority, and you enforce that authority by making sure they carry them out. By whatever means is necessary. Amen? Hebrews 12, 5 5 and following says this, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by Him. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He scourges every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You know what he's saying here? He's saying, look, everybody that God loves, he disciplines and reproves. So don't you suppose that that ought to be said about us as parents? That if we really love our children, what are we going to do? We're going to discipline them. We're going to correct them. Did you know that this very theme is repeated several times in the Scriptures? It is. And when when the Scripture says, bring them up in the discipline of the Lord, they're talking about, the Scripture is talking about God's established authority and corrective process when we don't obey it. The discipline of the Lord. Discipline that child while there is hope. And do not be a willing party to his death. Right? Spare the rod and what? Spoil the child. Right? How about this? To so govern them as to always do what is in their best interest, not yours. So as a parent, here's where self-denial might come into play. Do with those kids what tends to their best interest, not your own. You with me? I think a lot of times we do things as parents because we're lazy. You know, we don't want to do the work that we need to do to discipline our children or correct them or to do the right thing. Okay? Now, now who are we thinking about? Right? We shouldn't be selfish parents. Listen, sometimes it's going to take some work. Sometimes it's going to take some very painful work. Right? But we need to do what love demands. Right? Train them to obey. Teach them obedience. Right? Listen, we want to teach them not just these are the rules. Okay? It's not about these are the rules. It's about teaching them how to obey rules. So that they have the good principle in their mind that when authority establishes guidelines, we do what that authority says, no matter what they are. Of course, if they don't violate the law of God. Amen? Nicole? It took me a long time to get over because I've never really studied the Bible or I did what I wanted to as a young kid. And trying to follow through with a discipline is extremely hard because... I know how I felt when my mom tried to be a parent to me. Uh-huh. And I ran away from her and uh-huh. did what I wanted to. And that's what was really hard to accept is if I don't follow through, uh-huh. I'm scared I'm going to chase her off and even make her work and get out of the house. But uh-huh. listening to him and, and him helping me through it. Yeah, well, yeah. They're not chasing her away. I'm, I'm, I'm helping her. You are. Let me tell you, it is, it is a very loving thing to lay down guidelines for your children and to make sure they follow them. It is the most loving thing you can do for them to discipline them when they violate your authority and discipline them when they disrespect your authority and when they disrespect you. It is a very loving thing for you to do whatever is necessary to teach that child to honor you and to honor God. Amen? Proverbs 
22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. You must command them and cause them to follow through. You must enforce your authority. So what does it mean to bring them up in the discipline of the Lord? Enforce your authority. Don't just establish it. Don't just assert it, but enforce it. Amen? And you need to find the right means. With some kids, it's easier than with other kids. Right? Some kids will respond to verbal commands. Some kids won't respond with everything you've tried. And you're still praying, God, how do I get this kid to to listen and finally obey? Right? You with me? But you need to enforce that. Discipline includes enforcing the corrective action so that the child follows through and learns obedience. Amen? Harold? This authority, the way I see it, needs to be established very early in the life of the child. Amen. And it's going on, and he doesn't even know it. Amen. Until he gets older, and it's it's just become it's part of his life. Amen. You don't have to establish it. Amen. It's already there. Amen. I, I can tell you. I, I can tell you. With my kids, I, I have not had to spank my kids much. I'm, I do spank my children when they get out of line. Okay. But I have not had to spank my kids much at all in their life. Because I want to tell you something. When they were real young, I learned this lesson. That I needed to assert and establish my authority. And I did that. So the only times throughout the the upbringing of my kids when I had to spank them was when they kind of felt like it was time to re-challenge my authority and see if I still meant business. So I'm telling you, I, I could count... With, with, with most of my kids, I could count on both hands and feet the times I spanked them in their life. Very few times. Because, you know, they got it. They got it. And, and especially when something really severe happened. You know? And again, in my mind, there are some things that are really severe and other things that aren't. You know? In my mind, something like lying is a very severe thing. Deceit, lying, those are severe things. Uh, disrespect, dishonor, those are severe things. You know, that, that's a little different than, than you know, just, just practical things that we deal with on a daily basis. You know, uh, it, it's one thing for a child to turn around and say very challenging, disrespectful words to their parent. Uh, that, that's a way that they disrespect. You know, another way is they just kind of, you know, you know, they'll give you some response and go do whatever you said. Well, that's disrespect, too, but it's not quite as severe as a child turning around and, and talking back with aggressive, challenging words to their parent. You know, if that kind of thing's going on in your home, you need to fix it. It's broke. Amen? Okay? Um, <clears throat> if you are unwilling to discipline your children, you do not truly love them. Or you do not understand how to implement godly love. How do we know that? Well, because we just read that those whom God loves, He does what? Revelation 3.19, those whom I love, I reprove and I discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, those who I love, I reprove and I discipline. Right? That's God's kind of love. God's kind of love reproves and disciplines. Amen? He says, uh, <clears throat> he says that we when we discipline our children, they respect us for it. And so you need to remember in your discipline that it's tending to the respect and the honor of your children. Make sure that that process is happening in a way that they honor you for it. Just like we honor God for it. So yes, God, He reproves us, He disciplines us, but we understand it's for our good. Amen? Make sure your kids understand it's for their good. To make sure that they obey God. It is God's will, not yours, that they must ultimately obey. You got that? It's God's will, not ours, that they must ultimately obey. Why are we teaching them to obey and honor us? In hopes that they're going to obey and honor God. Amen? Because the ultimate goal of our parenting is what? Regeneration. We want them to be saved. We want them to come to uh, uh, faith and repentance. 
Amen? We want to point them to Christ. We want them to obey God's will, ultimately. We teach them to obey as a means of teaching them to obey God, which is the ultimate goal in parenting. Proverbs 19.18, Discipline your son while there is hope, and do not desire his death. Why does the Proverbs tell us that? Because if you raise an unruly child without disciplining him, and he never learns to submit to authority, what is going to happen when that child becomes an adult? He's, he's going to be the same way. And he's going to live his life consistently. And you know where he's going to wind up. You know what his destiny will be. Amen? Because he will not be submitted to the authority of God. Apart from a divine miracle. <laughs> right? If I may, I'd like to just add a couple of details. For your authority to be effective, it has to be absolutely consistent. And your responses cannot change with your mood. Uh, whether you're feeling generous, you're going to get away with it, or you've got a short fuse, so you're going to come down hard. It has to be the consistency. Amen. But even more importantly, when we start really learning about training and disciplining our children, it's very easy, and I speak from experience, it's very easy to focus just on that to where your heart becomes one big disciplinary thing. When what it should be with your consistency, it should be so covered in love, warmth, acceptance, joy, and fun that the disciplinary moments are like speed bumps. Amen. Not an entire way of life. Amen. And they're few and not many, right? Why? Because you've already established that authority in the home. And so there's order in the home. There's peace in the home. It's not a bunch of unruly rebels running around doing whatever they want to do. Amen? And so those, those disciplining times, they, they, they can be much fewer than they need to be. Right? You know, we think we're tending to their good when, when we don't discipline them, when we don't establish our authority. Let me tell you something. That isn't doing a kid any good at all. And it's not doing you any good. If that child doesn't learn how to obey, you're going to be constantly struggling with that child. Right? And that's not going to be, there's not going to be any peace there. It's going to be a constant struggle. So that's why all these wise men keep telling us we need to do this early. We need to start real early establishing that authority. Amen? So that it's established. And, it, and it's rarely challenged. And when they do challenge it, you enforce it again. Amen? Amen? Teach them the value of self-discipline and hard work. Teach them the value of self-discipline and hard work. Here's something that I think is bound up in this, this command here. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. Is to teach the child the value of a disciplined life. You with me? A focused, orderly, purposeful life that says, This is why I exist. I exist because God made me for His purpose to glorify Him and to enjoy Him all the days of my life. Teach them that they have a reason to exist. And how do they properly exist? They properly exist by living an orderly and a disciplined life. They properly exist by working with their hands and being diligent, not being a lazy sluggard, right? but being a wise, diligent, hard-working young person. Right? What does the Proverbs says? Proverbs 10.4 It says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Teach him that hard work brings about good benefit. How many of you know that? How many of you, your parents taught you the value of hard work? How many of you know when you carried out that hard work, it paid off? Right? You walk in the way of wisdom, listen, she blesses her children. Amen? The Lord Jesus said that, didn't He? You with me? Well, I think we better end there. Well, I hope you're gathering something from all of this. Um, If nothing else, I'd love to think that you would read your Bible a little bit slower. Instead of just reading right by these verses, 100 miles an hour, but stop and looking at them and meditating upon them and considering what's being said here.
God is not silent. He is speaking. Wisdom is crying out at the gate of the city. Is she not? So let us have ears to hear. Amen? Shall we pray? God, our Father, we thank You for Your love to us. God, we thank You for Your good Word. We pray, Lord, that You would impress it upon our hearts. God, that You would uh, strengthen us to hear these directives as parents, Lord, and to be diligent to carry them out. I pray, Lord, that You would uh, just cause us to love this instruction that You've given us. And, and God, that we would just be thrilled to go out and to obey You. Lord, that You would grant our families good peace and order in our homes, God. I pray that You would help us to properly establish authority. God, help us as parents not to be worn out with our kids and be impatient. But Lord, grant us that good patience by Your Spirit, whereby we can impart Your divine love to them. God, I pray that You would cause us to love wisdom, God. To love all of the correction and the reproof that You give us. God, that You would show us the right thing. Let it be fixed in our minds, God. Lord, may we not be confused about how to bring up our children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. But may our eyes be open to wisdom. God, give us strength to put it to practice, we pray. And Lord, we realize that we need your divine help in this matter, so cause us to always cry out to you, Lord. And every time we feel hopeless, God, may our hope be in you. And God, every time there's a struggle, may you fight the battle, God. So, Lord, we look to you and we trust you by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.